0: EMS One Academy, a training solution designed for EMS chiefs, offers more than 200 courses and 250 hours of continuing education. Our modern learning solution includes flexible reporting capabilities and features to upload agency-specific courses and track credentials for recertification. Easily streamline daily administrative workflow with EMS One Academy. Start your free trial. Visit www.emsoneacademy.com slash inside EMS. Well, here it is, the summertime edition of Inside EMS. I'm Chris and here he is, Kelly Grayson Kelly. Uh how's things going down there? World famous. Pitkin, Louisiana, straight out of Pitkin.
1: Oh man, it's uh it's pretty awesome. We're uh just got through with a major honeydew project and now i have a a nice little rock garden in my front yard and no more dust bowl the dogs are not digging up the flower beds next to the house i feel like a a a genuine homeowner
0: yeah i'm looking forward to seeing that in a home and trailer
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah. Uh, it it really sets off the double wide i
0: bet it does man you just got to get them how's it how's it work with the wheels man you have to take them wheels off
1: Oh no, man! I'm 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 high class. I put faux stone skirting around oh, to I hide the wheels yeah. and everything. Took yeah. the trailer hitch off and everything. That's oh, pretty,
0: awesome, man. That's good to go. We're looking forward to seeing it. So, <laughs> you know, Kelly, I think we got a really good uh, discussion today. And you know, in the in the past, you've you've kind of given me kudos in my, I guess my leadership acumen. You know, my uh, ability to uh, you know lead EMS, and I have different ideas than what. Uh, you know, maybe you're used to or some folks are used to. And one of the things that I've tried to do in my leadership career is remember the fact that I was a paramedic that sat in a truck and I was a paramedic that didn't have the equipment to do my job and didn't have uh, the leadership to to get me to the next level. And I didn't have my ideas listened to. And, you know, all those things that you you it seems that leaders forget when they get to the ivory tower of wearing the white shirt and the gold badge. And I yeah. think that one of the things that, I want to share with you today is one of the biggest mistakes that i've made
1: well Mis- say that word one more time
0: mistakes one of the biggest mistakes, mistakes i made as an ems leader I'm, and i gotta tell you to I'm, be, I'm
1: marking my calendar right you, now you
0: should do that but i gotta tell you that to, to be tr- totally transparent this wasn't the only mistake i made as an ems leader one of the things that i think leaders have to come to an ems is the fact of saying that leaders make mistakes too and we've got to be able to be transparent with our mistakes to our workforce because we're holding our workforce accountable for their mistakes mm-hmm. the EMS leaders got to be responsible and accountable for their mistakes and hence be transparent with that with their workforce so, but one of the things that I, I was thinking about as we got ready to talk about this show was the, the mistake that I made was when I got to Christian Hospital in North st. Louis County in 2010 they had a bunch of EMTs that were getting ready to become paramedics. And the big question was, how we were going to transition those EMTs into paramedic roles when we didn't have any paramedic roles available? And at the time, there was about 100, let's call it 80 uh, full-time members. There was 40 paramedics, there were 40 EMTs. And I decided to move the whole system to all ALS system. So the individuals that were coming Becoming paramedics, I just wasn't going to backfill their positions for EMTs, Mm -hmm. and I was going to change their EMT positions into uh, paramedic positions. Now, one of the dual,
1: dual paramedic trucks,
0: exactly. So, one of the different the thoughts I had was. The fact of this was a busy system, you know, they were running 14, 15, 16, 18 calls in a 24 hour period so they can split the workload on every single call. You know, it uh-huh. is. And I don't know how it is where you are, Kelly, but as an EMT and as a paramedic, do you run the BLS calls, or do you let your EMT run all the EM, uh, EMT? Oh, I
1: BLS I'll let my EMT run all the BLS calls. Uh, that, that's the only way they develop any proficiency at at uh, at their craft.
0: So know? what about if they, what about if you're running uh, um, fifteen uh, EMT calls in a twenty four hour period, and you're not getting any ALS calls? Do you do you help with that workload?
1: Well, it suck, sucks to be them on those days. No, actually, no. I I will. You know, if we're getting slammed and uh and my partners getting behind on his documentation and that sort of thing I'll yeah I'll I'll take a call I don't mind doing that and 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 it's a it's a team effort uh but um we we rarely run into those those kind of situations um so uh it, it hasn't been something I've had to do a, a great deal but yeah. yeah I'm certainly open to uh to sharing the workload mm-hmm. um
0: and I think that that was one of the things now yeah. that I was trying to do was to look to split up those ALS calls. Secondarily, what I wanted to be able to do is I wanted to be able to eventually move into the community paramedicine realm. And then this way, I was able to have a a, a slew of paramedics that I was able to mm-hmm. have them run 911 calls. And then some of them were able to go out into the community. But here's my mistake, Kelly. As I started to get up there in years, and I'm talking about now we're in 2014 maybe, I started to think about that wouldn't it be better if I was able to add two EMTs to a truck, if I was able to increase their core knowledge, maybe give them some uh, basic EKG knowledge, maybe give them the opportunity to give some uh, uh, give some drugs or, or allow them to give the drugs of the people, i.e. if they had EpiPens and so on and so forth. So I think I became a little short-sighted with the ability to say, let's make an all-ALS system, but instead... Forgetting about the power of the EMT, giving them more training, giving them more education, giving them Mm -hmm. more responsibility, and then maybe taking those paramedics, putting them in the field for community paramedicine, but secondarily running ALS Intercept. And I got to tell you, man, I think that this is the way of the future, and I got to tell you, I think I missed that vision.
1: Well, uh, you'll, you'll have recalled that, that I have uh, said that a, a tiered response uh, paramedic and, and BLS tiered response system is the way to go. Um, so I'm glad you finally came around to my way of thinking. Um, but w- we suffer this weird conceit, not just in EMS, but in, in U.S. healthcare in general, that more medicine is better medicine. You know, and, and that the highest trained provider should should always take care of the patient, and and yada yada yada, and and we ignore the fact that that um, it's overkill in many instances. But there's more things than just simply overkill. There's skill dilution and rust out that has been demonstrated in a number of EMS systems, um, probably most prominently Volusia County EMS, uh, where you know you couldn't swing a dead cat without hitting nine paramedics. They had als first response pumpers and engines and and in dual paramedic uh transport trucks um and it got to where their intubation skills degraded so much that they missed more than half their tubes
0: hang on a second um, though. hang on a second i want i want to i want to really touch on this because and maybe this is an experience thing maybe this is a uh you know a, a knowledge level thing but I gotta think that maybe this is ego, and 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 I, I'm really I know we're getting off topic here, but you've brought this up before. I don't know that I'm going to have difficulty today if I need to intubate somebody, and I haven't intubated somebody in probably three years.
1: Well, I'm going to but...
0: tell you that I don't have a challenge today about starting an IV, uh, and I haven't started an IV in about three okay. years. Do you really okay. think that skill degradation is is true, or is it, or does it come into just a, a lack of? Um, Maybe just a lack of, I don't even know, man. I, I, maybe I'm just wrong. I mean,
1: oh, yeah, I think skill degradation is, is absolutely a thing, and, and rust out and skill dilution is, is absolutely a thing. Now, I think it becomes less of a thing the more educated we are. Um, and when I say education, I mean the cognitive knowledge, the theory, the the pathophysiology, and the, and the practical psychomotor application of a particular skill is only one small component of it. But if we approach, for example, the airway education as, as only teaching them how to do the rope skill, um, yeah, that those things are, are prone to to uh, to degradation and to, to rust out, and and it's not just my opinion, man. That's a that's a um, a profession wide problem. EMS is far less competent at airway management than we like to think. But is, um, that, and, is that is that an and experience problem pollution. or is that
0: a knowledge problem
1: Well I think it's both and I think it's the fact that we we have such crappy low standards for education as far as airway management but I mean we're getting off the topic yeah, 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 here, yeah, yeah. but but I think that that um your your epiphany that that a tiered response system was the way to go does a couple of things number one the the vast majority of the calls uh that we run are bls and bls providers should be handling them but they're also getting direct patient care experience you're creating seed corn for your seasoned paramedic providers down the road Uh, you're creating uh, a a better class a pool of people to choose from when you want to move up to the next uh, next rung on the career ladder rather than Having a bunch of stretcher fetchers and equipment coders and drivers, and 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 that's the only skill set that they're ever required to employ, uh, and then try to teach them how to be paramedics. Uh, I think that makes for a stronger system overall. Um, now, EMS is at its heart a local issue, and and different communities have different needs and and how they uh, perceive those needs, uh, uh, and and what response to them uh, is up to them. But I think overall. Um, that division of labor and and having EMTs do EMT stuff and paramedics do paramedic stuff uh, is both more efficient, less expensive, uh, and makes for a stronger system overall. I, I'm glad you kind of came around uh, with Christian Hospital.
0: Well, let me let me. And I never got a chance to implement that. But oh, dude. Yeah, no. I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> I, I want to talk about you know what this looks like now. But before I even do that, I, I want to give you. I wasn't talking about developing a tiered system. So a tiered system, Kelly, by definition would be you know, similar to that of Boston EMS. And we've talked about Boston EMS before mm-hmm. and how they run. They've got BLS trucks. They've got ALS trucks. And the determination is at dispatch, which ambulance are they going to get? Or uh, if the BLS a- uh, ambulance gets on scene, they need ALS, they'll call for ALS to come in. But that's an ALS truck. What doesn't I was thinking doesn't uh,
1: Seattle, Kings County have, have something similar? I'm
0: not. I'm not uh, there's a couple systems that are like that, but you yeah. find a lot of them up there in the Northeast. Yeah. I really wasn't talking about a tiered response. I was really talking about a BLS response with ALS intercept. That would probably be one paramedic in a chase vehicle who would meet you at the corner of X and X and then and that, jump in the ambulance and then take over patient care. And so, that's fine, too. Yeah, so I think that that's a little bit different. But here's what I want to go with you then now. So we, we're both in agreement that maybe there should be more of a BLS response. We need to bring up the core knowledge of the EMT. We need to give them some stronger skill set. Let's talk about what that skill set looks like. So I mentioned earlier that we should give them maybe some uh, uh, three lead EKG interpretation, or mm-hmm. do we allow them to use the uh, the King airway or the i gels? Or so do we give them some advanced airway knowledge? So what does that look like? Let's go ahead and sit here, and we've got a whiteboard, and you and I are going to create the EMS systems of the future. What do we do for our EMTs to give them the skills necessary to meet this new responsibility?
1: Well, I, I live in one of those enlightened states where BLS providers are allowed to use any superglottic airway. So, uh, yay, Louisiana. Um, but, yeah, I think that's something that, that should be a, 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 rep, uh, a piece of their repertoire. Um, I hesitate to say um, that I hesitate to define a an provider level by their skill set because I firmly believe that we should be defining ourselves by a body of knowledge and not a skill set. Um, because skill set, RUR you are, is a pulse and a patch, um, and, and you have no broader understanding of, of what's going on with your patient or where your profession is going or anything else. But having said that, um, if you had an EMT who is trained at their current level with a little more uh, knowledge in disease pathophysiology, is far beyond 160 to 200-hour EMT course, I'm envisioning something similar to an advanced EMT. Uh, this is someone with maybe 400 hours of training, um, and the ability to uh, to um, put in uh, advanced airways, at least supraglottic airways. Uh, the ability to administer uh, some code drugs, uh, acquire uh, and monitor uh, cardiac rhythms, um, maybe acquire and transmit 12 lead EKGs. That's already being done in in, in many systems across the country. Uh, those EMTs are not. Interpreting or or treating based on it, but they're shortening the door to balloon time by transmitting the EKG ahead of their arrival to the hospital. Um, I I really don't think that things like uh, IV access are all that necessary for the EMT level Um, because they're not all that uh, they're not all that necessary for me at the paramedic level. But hang on, Uh, as far as life saving. Yes, go ahead. So,
0: IV meaning? Um, uh, Intravenous access. Oh, thank peripheral you. venous thank ca- thank cannulation. So, but I was going to ask you, <laughs> traditionally or via um, interosseous?
1: Oh, well, that's why when I say IV, I mean peripheral venous cannulation. Now, vascular access via an IO in a limited set of circumstances? Yeah, yeah, rock on! If you're using, if you want to hand them an EZIO or, or some other type of uh, of mechanical intraosseous device, and say, in this limited set of circumstances, like say, cardiac arrest, um, in cardiac arrest, uh, and you need to administer a limited set of resuscitation drugs, which currently is epinephrine, you know. Maybe amiodarone uh, every now and then, but but the only drug we're routinely administering cardiac arrest these days is is epinephrine, uh, and and even that is being questioned as to its efficacy. Uh, we'll know in a couple in a few more years from the uh, the study in the UK whether epinephrine actually improves outcomes. Uh, but in that situation, yeah, um, I'll, let me let me flip the script on you. Uh, if we're talking about vascular access, be honest. How many times as a paramedic do you start an IV uh, really intending to give medications, uh, resuscitation fluids and medications uh, versus how many times you start an IV to keep an ER nurse happy or to satisfy a protocol step?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that realistically, I think, I and mean, I never start an IV to make anybody happy, so I mean... But, the, but I mean... That, yeah, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. But I'm going to say maybe... studies that bear that
1: out, that 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 actually does not use our accesses, and it does not shorten the do- door-to-drug time just starting a pre-hospital IV. Yeah,
0: I'm going to say maybe less than 20%.
1: Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: You know, so uh, I think now we're really kind of touching on the crux of what this EMT... Uh, will look like. And you got to remember, I mean, in different parts of the world, I remember up in Rhode Island uh, mm-hmm. when I was working up in the Northeast, they used to have an EMTC. And an EMTC was a cardiac who was able to give uh, medications and cardiac arrest. So they were trained yeah. to deal with the cardiac arrest. So now when we think about, you know, the advanced EMT, when we think about the EMT intermediate, when we think about, you know, I think that we really need to consider what. The future of EMS looks like. And when we talk about, you know, the the vascular access of being less than 20%, let's go ahead and talk about the percentage of ALS calls that you really need a paramedic on scene. Few. You know what I mean? And you you go back to the OPAL study, which was done up in Canada, which Mm -hmm. showed that you can have EMTs running most of the calls and not lose any of the opportunities for taking care of those patients. So I'm not saying, and I don't think you're saying that we don't need paramedics in our career field. What I think, though, is I think we need to allocate the paramedic or the advanced level provider into a different, I don't know, maybe responsibility. You know, maybe they should be more on the uh, community paramedic side where they are you know, going up to the frequent flyers and, and, you know, keeping them out of the hospital or keeping them from calling EMS or working with the hospital systems to reduce the high-risk readmissions. Mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and put them into a a category or into an opportunity where they could use their skills and use them and use them Mm -hmm. rather than just say, stay on the ambulance. And maybe today you'll get an intubation. Maybe today you'll, uh, um, you know, get an IV. But, if we can get if we can get by with allowing BLS providers, and, and maybe we shouldn't even call them BLS providers, you know, there's been a big push in the United States now to try to call everybody who is certified in EMS to call them a paramedic. Similar yeah, to I that, agree with that, similar to that of what, and I don't know how I feel about it, but maybe that's a whole other discussion. But similar to that of the rest of the world, we're the only ones that really kind of categorize that as EMT intermediate uh, and paramedic and we're not seeing intermediates that much anymore anyway. No, But I think that, you know, I, I, I just think that we need to be able to create a system now as we're moving into the 2020s and the 2025s, that's going to be realistic for what we're seeing with patient care. And I got to tell you, man, I think this is it.
1: Yeah. You know, Nancy has, uh, in our conversations is, is often referred to, uh, you know, she believes that, that, Paramedics should be the Navy SEALs of EMS or the Special Forces of EMS, uh, called in for the the hardest missions, uh, the most difficult things. Um, and but the vast majority of the care should be handled by by the lower tier providers. Uh, and that's not shorting the patients. That's just that's just a realistic assessment of what our where our skills can be best employed. Um, you know, if we're continuing that military analogy, we have the most uh, exquisitely well-trained military uh, in uh, of of any country in in recorded history. Uh, our our military is a is a class like no other. But. The thing is, is what's unique about the U.S. military is, is that our our enlisted personnel, our NCOs and our enlisted personnel are trained exquisitely well and empowered to make some pretty difficult decisions that in other countries, militaries, are, they're not allowed to do. So, you know, the, the average U.S. serviceman um, is, is kind of akin to what you're talking about uh, as a, a more well trained well rounded BLS provider and they're they're the doing the vast majority of the work. And you only call the special forces in when you have something that is, that is particularly thorny to manage. It requires their particular set of skills and knowledge. And those people, uh, are force multipliers. Um, they they provide far more bang for the buck, uh, and, and far more, an, an exponentially larger, uh, footprint, uh, with relatively few personnel because they bring education to the table, uh, Rather than just uh, you know uh, a, a squad of, of, uh, of providers, you've got people that are out there advocating, educating, you know that sort of thing, training other people uh, and that's that's similar to what you're talking about with your community your community paramedicine and mobile integrated health people where the vast majority of your your time is spent advocating. Educating our patients, educating the lay public, educating the providers under them, uh, and making them better at their jobs. And, oh, by the way, we're going to run some EMS calls now and then as well. Um, and, and you keep your skills sharp that way. But uh, I think with the, the education and the advocacy that, that a, uh, a paramedic should be bringing to the table, uh, that pays dividends far beyond uh, the direct patient contact that they have.
0: Yeah, and I think that when we think about this, I mean, I think this is great in theory, but I don't yeah. know that we're ever going to see this as an opportunity within our career field because of where we are with reimbursement, and of course, right now systems need those ALS, uh, um, you know, fees for reimbursement to keep the doors open. You know, one of the things that was giving me a little bit of fear was the new uh, healthcare bill that uh, recently was shot down, but. Within that healthcare bill, they were going to uh, minimize and even do away with ambulance reimbursement. So now, as we started to see uh, that uh, come to a vote and possibly pass, EMS was going to lose a lot of money because those calls weren't going to be covered anymore. Ambulance calls weren't going to be covered anymore. And um, but when we think about this, you know, I don't think that we get mainstream EMS to think about it. I don't think that we get uh, reimbursement that we need uh, to do this. But uh, I think in, in theory, it's great playing this mental chess game with you, Kelly, to say, how can we really make a difference within our career field and, yeah. and make this a good uh, a possibility for future? And maybe one day we'll have the opportunity to sit down at a whiteboard with some peers and really bring this to fruition. And uh, maybe by the year 2020 and 2025, we have a different uh, approach to EMS in our United States.
1: Yeah, well, I, I've, I disagree with you. I think this will happen. Um, The question is, is how ugly and messy it's going to be before it happens. Because I I think we've reached the point and we're starting to become cognizant of this fact that we are patching a broken system uh, and we're shoring up rotten lumber uh, when it's really time to bulldoze it and start over. We need to, uh, for lack of a better phrase, um, sometimes it's necessary to blow up the enterprise. Uh, and I think we're, we're kind of coming to grips with the fact that it's time to blow up the enterprise uh, because what we're doing now uh, has reached its peak efficiency, and, and, and doing it the same way, uh, only more of it, is not going to work uh, in the healthcare environment of the future. Um, but, you know, change is messy, it's ugly, it's painful. Uh, The only one that likes change is a wet baby, but uh, it's going to have to happen. Uh, I I don't place a whole lot of faith in our elected officials to make it happen efficiently. Um, You talk about uh, uh, ambulance reimbursement, government ambulance reimbursement. You know, a lot of EMS leaders have, have, have pounded the table emphasizing that we need to diversify our revenue streams and we cannot fund the level of care that we, are, we need to provide based purely on CMS reimbursement alone. Um, now, if that was to happen with, with uh, the new Republican version of the dumpster fire that Obama created, uh, we just have a bigger, so it seems like the Republicans are creating an even bigger and stinkier dumpster fire as an answer to that. But if that were to knock out ambulance reimbursement, our community is going to step up and say, you know, uh, and do what they should have been doing all along and treat EMS as a vital public service uh, and start funding it with their taxpayer dollars, uh, which is probably what needs to happen. Um, question is, is, is uh, how uh, how many patients and, and how many EMS agencies are going to uh, suffer uh, until that day comes? Well, let me ask you this um, question. It's going to be it's going to be brutal. It's going to be Darwinian. um uh, and I hope that uh, I'm in one of the agencies or employed or, or, or running one of the agencies that manages to evolve and, and thrive. But, uh, my, man, it's going to be ugly. <laughs> so,
0: let me ask you this question since you have this optimistic view. I'm guessing you still have faith that there's Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy.
1: Uh, yeah. All right, good, man. Yeah, good to, good uh, to know that. All right, man. Well, let's of course get us there's up Santa up. Claus, the Easter Bunny, and the Tooth Fairy? Yeah. <laughs> Dude, what was your childhood like? I got to tell
0: you, it was uh, it was brutal. It was brutal. But let's get up on out of here.
1: Hey, but you know that's that's what we think about the future of healthcare and 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 how EMS is going to go. We'd like to know what you think. What is your idea of the ideal system model? Is a tiered response best? Is BLS response with a few ALS trucks and ALS intercept the way to go? Is it? what i propose and and ditching the system entirely and doing away with als intercepts and coming up with bls intercepts we want to hear your thoughts email us at the show at ems1.com and for myself and co-host chris sevillero who let's not forget admitted to a mistake i'm kelly Grayson. thanks for tuning in to inside ems we'll catch you guys next week